tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Education Conversations. Let's welcome uh, our A-team guest, Ola Quinlan, who is the director of International... Internal- <laughs> Look at me having a tongue twister. <laughs> Internalization at Rhodes University. And we are talking about the move that uh, South African universities are doing by adopting an international lens and why this is something that we should be concentrating on. Thank you very much for joining us, Orla. Hello, Patricia. Good evening. And thank you for having me. So why is it so important that our South African universities um, take a, a global approach when it comes uh, to um, teaching methods, putting together curriculum and also research and development? Yeah, I think just to start by saying that the, the, the element of this that is new in South African universities is that the Department of Higher Education and Training has gazetted a formal policy on internationalization, um, which which is new and also is a leading element in the global south. There's a lot of countries don't actually have a formal policy on this in the south. Um, so, so that is the kind of novel element around this and why I wanted to, to talk about it. Um, the fact is that in general, in South Africa for the last, you know, 20 years and more, there has been international engagement. It is very difficult as an academic to not be engaged internationally because knowledge is being developed all over the world at different times. Um, and, you know, to be a well-informed academic, you need to be aware of all the latest developments in your own field. Um I would say the reason it's important is because we're increasingly aware, you know, we live in this one planet together. Um, You know, many of the issues facing us on the planet um, may manifest themselves slightly differently locally, but we, we don't exist in little, you know, political islands called states. We actually live in a whole planetary system. Um, and things that happen in one part of the planet affect the other, whether it's at the political level, security level. I mean, the example of the pandemic of COVID, really, that was just a very stark example of just how interconnected we are. So the, the thing is, we need to be in universities explicitly helping our students, future graduates, our future leaders in, you know, their own professions or in our society to understand our connectedness with the rest of the world and to understand that we have knowledge to share and we also have knowledge to learn from and that sometimes it is is in the sharing that we come up with more creative solutions to our common problems. So, so, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just a, a, an initial comment on why it is important. Is the international world ready for South Africa's uh, universities to share with them the knowledge that we have and uh, also to share, um, you know, whatever challenges that we have in order for us to get global solutions? I mean, I, th- I think definitely there is huge interest, um, you know, in terms of Uh, challenges in Europe with an aging population, challenges in the States, which I think we're all very aware of, the political challenges, the polarization 
um, of, of, you know, the population. That Your call has been placed on hold. You know, the Your call on hold. Please wait. Hola. It seems we've lost Orla, um, and we're going to take her back to uh, our producer, Ben. But our discussion right now, A-teamers, is around how South African universities are taking a global approach and um, tapping into other universities internationally to share common knowledge, uh, to share uh, wisdom across uh, different um, you know, uh, uh, faculties, and also to also make sure that within South Africa, we are giving of our knowledge and we are offering of who we are as a South African higher education institutions. Perhaps you're a lecturer or a student in a higher education institution. How do you feel about uh, this move? I think it's a great one, but maybe you might be experiencing challenges and feel that uh, this move to um, internationalization is one of those moves that might dilute our knowledge, especially when it comes to indigenous uh, knowledge systems. Call in and let me know on 011-714-2006 or you can WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. NPM till midnight. Education Conversations. Ola, now that we are no longer on hold, <laughs> can we Sorry, go back to the conversation? I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> I know how it is with these touchscreen phones, so it's okay. So you were... I'm very pleased I've actually gotten electricity. We've had load shedding today, so I'm hoping it will stay on for the duration. Well, the stage two has been one of those that has hit us all in South Africa for the last couple of days. So talk to us. Is the international stage ready for us to share our knowledge? Yes, um, I mean, I was just saying that, you know, there is great interest in engaging with Africa in general, the rest of the world, um, and there is uh, a lot of approaches to South African universities to engage in consortia, for example. And one of the things this new policy allows is um, the development of joint degrees. So South African universities can collaborate with universities in other parts of the world, to award certain types of joint, um, you know, joint degrees. And of course, sometimes that comes with funding. So there are new opportunities, there is interest. Um, and, you know, I think it is about getting people with the right competencies to engage around those, organizing those types of consortia. That's one area. I think our academics have been engaging internationally and, you know, they they are very well respected in general. We have a lot of people who engage around, um, you know, environmental issues, even if you look at what happened during the pandemic because of other viruses that we have become used to dealing with in South Africa, including HIV. There is a lot of expertise here that just is not as prevalent in other parts of the world. Um, and, you know, globally, people recognize these are skills and knowledge bases that they also need to, you know, engage with and need access to. What is the role of the International Education Association of South Africa when it comes to ensuring that um, all our universities are part of this uh, new move? Yeah, um, look, the, the International Education Association of South Africa was developed um, very early after, you know, 94. Um, and in many ways, the demands on the higher education system in South Africa were huge. 
um, a lot of the leadership was very preoccupied with increasing access to higher education because of the way in which the system was so segregated and, you know, you had well-resourced universities, you had universities that were less well-resourced and there was a real drive to try and make the system more equitable and to try and increase access. Now, in that discussion, there wasn't particularly a proactive discussion about internationalization at the time, but we were responding to the world suddenly wanting to come and engage in South Africa. So academics wanted to visit, students wanted to come and study here. And so basically a lot of the DVCs, which are the deputy vice chancellors and the registrars, they were suddenly facing, you know, how do we recognize qualifications from the rest of the world in our system? And so it was very initiated the organization. So it's very much a collective from all the public universities in South Africa, the 26 of them, who got together and set up this organization. So they have been driving internationalization, and a lot of that is around working maybe with the Department of Home Affairs around immigration issues for students. They've been working with embassies in uh, you know, in other parts of the world about helping and assisting getting academics in and out of the country. They've started you know, these semester abroad programs to welcome students for a semester and to send out students for a semester. But there are funding issues with sending out the students, and it was from that that, you know, this whole idea of internationalization at home evolved. And internationalization at home is where you try to give students an international experience on campus, and that might be through particular case studies in your curriculum, bringing lecturers from other countries into your classroom, really using the fact that you have people in your classroom from other countries. And then you can also set up a whole lot of other um, informal activities on campus. So, for example, at Rhodes University, we have an internationalization program that we've had to suspend these face-to-face activities. But we used to do a parade every year. We would do um, an Africa Bowl where we would encourage everyone to, you know, um, really bring contemporary African culture into one space, whether it's the music, the food, the fashion, but through that engage people in understanding where they come from and maybe through that share other experiences and stories. So that that's a kind of counterbalance to the fact that not everyone can afford to pay for an airfare to go and have a study abroad experience. And now since COVID, we have found this increased activity online um, and you know some of the universities have started to do these collaborative online international learning projects and that is literally where two academics sitting in two different parts of the world will get their students sitting in two different parts of the world engaging on projects and it becomes a core part of the curriculum and the qualification um, in the home country you know uh, university so, um, I mean, for example, at Rhodes, we just had a webinar this week where um, Dr. Supergazi Magadla has a collaborative online international learning project with Ohio University. So she literally was just sharing with the rest of the academic community 
what is it that, uh, you know, they learned from this experience? How did they set it up? How did the students engage? How did they find it? Um, and she's actually publishing a paper on this, which, you know, will be available. But I think this is a very important element of AISA as well, that we in AISA share these types of experiences from our own universities with each other. And we actually are a very collaborative group. So, for example, if I have a small office in internationalization, I may not be able to develop the expertise in all the areas that I need to. But if I am in collaboration with another South African university, we can actually help each other by sharing our expertise. And that is one strength of AISA. We always see ourselves as we represent one system. So we not only share the expertise of our own universities with each other, but we feel we are representing South Africa when we go out and we represent. It's about the whole system and it's actually, you know, about the whole country. It's not just about our one institution. Um, and we do that representation. Uh, there are a lot of international associations who hold conferences on an annual basis. So, for example, when we would go to the European Association of International Education Conference, we would take a stand as AISA, um, and we would represent the whole system, and all the South Africans will collectively, you know, meet there and, you know, share each other's, we will refer each other if there's something someone's interested in and one university doesn't particularly focus on it, we will refer to you know, another university that does. So it is a really nice example of a diverse group of South Africans really working together for South Africa and representing the country as a whole. Um, and in many ways, uh, that is partly what internationalization is about. It's about being open and reaching out and building understanding with other um, cultures and countries. Um, and even within South Africa, you know, internationalization actually helps build intercultural competency among South Africans. You know, in many places, uh, South Africans still geographically are quite separated, and it is only when they come into a higher education space that may be their first opportunity to really engage with people from different cultures within South Africa. So internationalization also allows for a broader language about culture and a broader language that also helps us become more self-aware and understand South Africa and, and the you know, diversity within South Africa much better. So mm-hmm. you know, we see it as, a, as an avenue for transformation mm-hmm. within the country and within self. Well, uh, if uh, that's what it's going to bring into our country, into our universities, I think it's a very good move and one that we need to go into. So in terms of where we are as South African universities, Orla, uh, I mean, when you look at the international stage, the 26 public higher education institutions that we have, how do they fare? And is our framework any good? Yeah, um, well, what I really think is wonderful about the the policy framework is it's not prescriptive. So it's not saying each university in South Africa must do these four things. It is saying, you know, you need to decide what is appropriate for your context. And that's one of the things that I think people have difficulty grasping when we're talking about internationalization. It's not 
one thing to everybody. It's not one size fits all. It's about how do you integrate this perspective into your university strategy, your policy, and your plan for your activities for the year. Um, so there's a real scope to be creative. And then it also gives the guidance on, for example, what type of joint degrees are allowable and what are not. So one of the types of degrees that's not allowable is if you do one body of work, um, you know, with working with two universities, you're not allowed to get a degree in each university for that one body of work. And that does happen in some parts of the world. But the South African Department of Higher Education and Training felt that you shouldn't be awarded two degrees for one body of work. You should be given um, a degree if you do, you know, with maybe a doubly branded thing, but it should be one degree. So, so there was some confusion about that, which has been clarified by the policy. And then beyond that, it very much just tells us what has informed the policy. And there is a long history of, you know, um, desire to engage with SADC and the African Union and to, you know, be part of this continent. Um, and at the, in the policy itself, they talk about all these background documents that have been developed since 94, um, which are all leaning towards, you know, we need to reach out. And our international would be very different to somebody's international sitting in Brazil or India or, you know, England or Australia. Our international will begin with our neighbours in the SADC region. And they are the majority of, for example, our international students who are in the country. Um, and then also, we are on this continent of Africa. So, you know, we have to engage with other parts of Africa. We belong to IBSA. So we have a lot of similarities in the whole structure of our countries. With, for example, India and Brazil, there is a lot of similarities in the, you know, the huge range of inequality in the country and the diversity in the country. So we often find in our international fora that you know, people from Brazil and India actually have quite a lot in common with South Africa. Um, and that might even be more so than with other countries in, in Africa. So, uh, so this is what the international world really does. It challenges us, it opens up opportunities, and you just begin to see patterns of similarity and dissimilarity. Um, and, you know, it really does boil down to values and what societies are choosing to prioritize. Um, and all of those things become very clear when you begin to do some comparative analysis between yourself in your own situation and other countries. Let me go to uh, Aitima, who's on the line. Ayesha, good evening. Good evening, and good evening to your guests. Uh, I would just like to know why an internationalization policy is necessary, because all the things that you've been speaking about have been happening. Different universities have been sending students, uh, and, and it's been funded and, and all of that. Is this uh, all just about funding, about getting funding? And then I have two concerns. My first concern is what happens to the 
Africanization project. If you guys are shifting to the internationalization, one, and two, we haven't even started on the doors of learning, of, of culture and learning on the African project. So where does that fit into this? And three, the power relations is definitely not equal. So, so the research will, will go according to what the funder says. I will listen on the radio. Thank you. Thank you very much, Aisha. Dr. Ola, you can respond. Okay, I'm afraid that I couldn't hear all the questions, but I caught a little bit. I don't know if, should I try and answer what I think I heard, or can you quickly just summarize? No, you can go ahead. The the first point was about the Africanization project, if I I heard correctly. Mm. I didn't hear everything. Correct. But, okay, so, well, there's no... um, They're not incompatible. They're not mutually exclusive. I mean, for me, Africanization... Uh, I mean, you know, I did talk about the African Union, I talked about the Saudi region. For me, our internationalization encompasses our engagement with Africa as a priority. And in fact, in the policy, it also talks about that. So I don't see those as being um, incompatible. You know, it is it is part and parcel of what an appropriate internationalization is for South Africa to be engaged with our immediate international uh, relationships, which are, you know, the Sadiq region and the rest of Africa. Um, so I'm not sure then the second part was, I heard something about we're only getting started with the Africanization project, but I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a sequential thing, you know, I think that the African project is the beginning of internationalization. Um, and, you know, but we might also simultaneously be engaging with other parts of the world because that is where the research, uh, you know, hubs are taking us. Oh, I think there was a question at the very beginning there about funding. So, no, this, this, this actually isn't about funding, and that's a really good question because, you know, in some countries, when people have promoted internationalization, it was really a way of compensating for the um, lack of funding in their own countries or funding that was being taken away from higher education. And two of the global examples of where you know, this was probably most prevalent would be Australia and the UK. So their drive for internationalization was about attracting high fee-paying students. So what is explicit in the policy framework in, that DNHES have produced is that is not the intention of this. It is not about making profit. It is about the academic benefit to our students and the academic benefit to uh, the quality of education in the universities to have this international iterative engagement. So the drive is definitely not, um, it's not a profit-making policy. It's not, the drive is not profit-making to, you know, uh, booster our financial constraints in the university, and that's made explicit in the policy. All um, right. So that I think that was the two first components, and then um, there was a, que- a question about equality. I think the third one. Yeah. Okay. So that was yeah. 
Uh, no, that's very well understood. Um, and in fact, there was a colloquium just uh, last week, which is available on um, YouTube, and it was a colloquium on the African humanities. Um, and one of the speakers there really did a wonderful presentation of looking at the um, issues around, uh, you know, the intellectual property of Africans who often publish in um, Northern-based journals. And then, you know, the universities have problem buying back the books, so they have problem affording them. And that is, you know, the solution there is that Africans need to start publishing themselves more. And there are some initiatives around that, uh, you know, in, in the country as well. Um, I'm just thinking it was Crazy, Crazy Yanka did that wonderful presentation, and that's available on YouTube under the African Colloquium in Humanities that was held last week. Um, so, yeah, these are all totally valid points, but the point is if you design your own internationalization in your own university, it's going to include uh, recognizing and addressing all these components. I think sometimes people think the word international means something different, but it actually, and that, that has been a bit of an issue, there's been so many definitions of it, that, um, but, but I like Jane Knight's definition, because she recently reiterated that, you know, we've got to get, we have to have a definition that is applicable to anywhere in the world, but then what your internationalization will look like and how you do it, that is where you make it specific in terms of the rationale and the values and the activities that you are going to do in your context. Excellent. Ola, thank you very much for joining us and uh, we are hoping to get more updates around this project. Have a good evening. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight.